0: Persistent unemployment, rising crime, and looming inflation are now the principal hallmarks of the Biden administration. Today I'll explain why it was all completely predictable. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. Does anybody think that this is not the way it was going to shake out with the Biden administration? Where are we now, in month four and already we're seeing things that... Harken back to, oh, I don't know, Jimmy Carter. You've got gas lines because of a cyber hack of a pipeline. Turns out that cybersecurity and pipelines really important. A lot of talk about climate change out there from Biden, but not nearly the kind of focus you'd like to see on making sure that we have energy independence and security. You also have Biden having to explain away the jobs are poor because turns out if you tell people they're going to make more money staying home than going to work, they tend to stay home. Yeah. Not a surprise. Here's Biden on that issue of the jobs play. it.
1: I know there's been a lot of discussion since Friday, since Friday's report, that people are being paid to stay home rather than go to work. Well, we don't see much evidence of that. That is a major factor. We we don't see that. that, Look, it's easy to say the, the line has been because of the generous unemployment benefits that it's a major factor in labor shortages. Americans want to work. Americans want to work. It's not, a, not an answer.
0: You know, it's easy to say, yeah, because it's obvious. Because there are people who don't want to go in and have to deal with the nonsense of actually being an employee when they can just stay home and get a check for more money. And I don't blame them. But this is the problem with the Democrat approach of just funneling cash to people and pretending that that's an answer to pretty much everything. Uh, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, also had some challenges with this one because it's very straightforward. People make more money to not work. People didn't come out and get jobs in the numbers that had been anticipated. A million was what they were predicting last month. It was a couple of hundred thousand. That's an enormous miss at a time when the economy is reopening. So what's the, what's the deal here? What's the situation? Psaki bomb drops another one. Here she is.
2: Bank of America economists who are cited in a Bloomberg story say anybody making less than $32,000 a year is better off financially just taking the unemployment benefit. So is the White House creating an incentive just to stay home?
0: Well, again, uh, the majority of economists uh, internally and externally of the White House don't feel that unemployment insurance, something that was done um, at a time where to help unemployed people get through a very difficult economic downturn during a pandemic, is a a major driver in, uh, in our unemployment data, that there are other factors, bigger factors, that were contributing, have been contributing to the numbers we saw on Friday. Okay. But other other factors? Like like what? What why is it that the economists who look at this issue were all expecting that there should be a lot more jobs, but then suddenly, after there's this multi-trillion dollar package that the Democrats passed and that Biden is touting as saving, you know, American jobs, the rescue plan, all this other stuff, why is it that none of them were able to foresee that these other factors would have such a downward drag on hiring and on employment. Gee, I don't know. Maybe we could ask Saki uh, what those would be. She wouldn't have an answer for you. So you've got, let, let's just go down the list here. Uh, you have gas lines. You have a shaky economy that looks like it could really start stalling out what should be a boom. Remember, they're going to always say, oh, but it's not, we're not in a recession now. We're, we should be in one of the greatest economic kabooms in recent memory because of the reopen, because we're getting past COVID. We're already basically through the pandemic. We haven't for a while. So why aren't they actually just getting out of the way? Because they'd rather mess things up. Oh, you've got the concern about inflation. You've got gas lines. You've got all kinds of problems. Inflation showing itself here in food prices. That's one place where you can already see something's up. Here you go, get ready for higher grocery bills for the rest of the year. Grocery prices are soaring, here's why. Diapers, cereal, and yes, toilet paper are going to get more expensive. Food prices are rising. Use these six expert tips to slash your grocery bill. My friends, we can all see what's going on here. When you spend trillions of dollars and you slosh all this cash out there because that's the Democrat answer to everything. More spending, more stress on the currency, there is an effect. Democrats can argue with us all day long, but there are some things, cause and effect, math, that they can't just wish away and they can't, dig- I mean, they can ignore, but they can't change. They can only uh, pretend that they can't figure this stuff out in advance. Oh, oh and then, of course, the spiraling vi- uh, violence, which is getting worse all the time. Here you go. Murder surge by region. Because so I want to make sure that we don't just talk about this in, in the big cities. So here you go. Midwest 31%, the West 26%, the Northeast 25%, South 21% nationwide, a 25% nationwide surge is what we believe happened in 2020. That is enormous. At a time when we should be celebrating how much violence has been dropping, right? We should be saying, hold on, we've been through a pandemic, far fewer people are outside in the streets interacting with each other. So you'd think there would be less homicide. Instead, what we have is way more homicide. This is utterly predictable, unfortunately, because of defund the police. So you have rising crime, uh, inflation fears, uh, economy stalling out. It's not in a recession right now, but stalling out. What should be a big boom is just a little one. And uh, gas lines because of the cyber hack, but still, it's happening on Biden's watch. People are starting to say it feels a bit more like this is Jimmy Carter 2.0 instead of Obama 3.0, right? We've all been thinking this is the third Obama term, and ideologically that's certainly the case, but I think we have to continue to look at this and understand that it's not as uh, it's not Obama who's able to get these things done. It's Joe Biden, who is just incompetent, right? Who, I mean, Obama, say what you will, is socialist and everything else. At least the guy was with it. Nobody thought Obama was too old for the job. Quite the opposite, actually. He was a young and vital president, so that wasn't an issue. With Joe Biden, you're getting, you know, he he wants to be FDR, but you're getting Jimmy Carter, right? Or he wants to be FDR. What you're really getting is AOC. Not a lot of intellectual heft behind the leftism and a lot of dysfunction and bad things happening here across the board. So we will address more of this coming up here uh, and the rest of the show. You know, tensions continue to mount in Israel as days of rocket attacks and airstrikes between Palestinians and Israelis lead to dozens of deaths. After the break, we'll speak to the editor of The Algemeiner, David Foon, about the latest from the growing conflict. Stay with us. I've been telling you for a while now about online thieves who can easily steal your home's title. But you don't have to take my word for it. Take it from this thief who stole over 150 homes and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. This is why you need home title lock.
3: Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. No, no, I have title insurance for that. No, it's, it's in my name or he would have to get some special document. They would call me, you know, nobody's calling you. After I've stolen the title, barred against it, or sold the property, or done whatever I've done with it, it's 60 to 90 days to even figure out that, that they're the victim of this crime. You know, by that point, you start getting foreclosure notices and you realize you've got four mortgages on your house. Not only that, you don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name.
0: Heard enough? Don't let this crime happen to you. Go to HometitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. And enter radio as the code for 30 free days of protection. That's code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, HomeTitleLock.com.
3: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com/slash investing in America.
0: Escalating violence in the Middle East. Israel hit back hard with a wave of strikes after Hamas terrorists fired hundreds of rockets into the country. The attack from Gaza has killed at least two Israelis and injured dozens more. There are now growing concerns that the rising tensions could lead to a much greater escalation, perhaps even a war. Here with reaction is editor of The Algaminer, David Foon. David, good to see you.
3: Always a pleasure, Buck.
0: Uh, David, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu announced he'll be stepping up retaliation strikes against those uh, in the Gaza Strip, launching these attacks in Israel. Uh, What what exactly can you tell us about the situation as it stands right now?
2: You have a situation where the uh, Israeli civilian population is facing an unprecedented barrage of rockets, some 1,000 rocket strikes over the last 24-hour period. Um, many uh, of them are, are targeting communities in the south, but plenty have gone as far up as Ashdod and Ashkelon up the Israeli coast, or even rockets targeting Tel Aviv. And uh, yesterday, a number that targeted Jerusalem. Israel is responding ferociously, targeting terrorist sites in the Gaza Strip, specifically command centres, individual high-level um, terror operatives. Uh, and also those that are actively engaged in in firing rockets. So sometimes they'll take out these missile squads um, right in the midst of of, of of a launch effort. And David, how did we get to this point? I mean, can you just give us the lead
0: up to this current uh, th- these current hostilities? I mean, we've got you know the beginnings of what could look like a a shooting war here. Um, you know, a, a broader conflict. What what got us to this point?
2: In recent days, I mean, look, again, in, in, in the end of the day, uh, the Gaza Strip and, and the terror group Hamas that rules it and the other terror groups that, that are based there are built entirely. Um, their, their infrastructure, their funding, everything that they do is built around this ability to target and attack Israel in this way. And, you know, they're, they're seeking opportune moments to unleash hell in the way that we've seen over the last 24 hours. And there's a bit of a cycle. You know, this is not the first time this has happened, it has been a few years since it's happened. So, you know, on the surface level, if, if you're looking for a catalyst, um, you know, there were a number of events, there were some, some, some protests that took place in Israel over a legal dispute in the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood, and um, those extended to Clashes on the Temple Mounts, Arab riots in the Temple Mounts, and in some other districts in Israel. And then, you know, the Hamas rocket fire started um, to combine with, you know, some threats and ultimatums. You know, obviously, Israel is not going to respond positively. You're talking about a democratic country that is responsible for the safety of its civilians. Um, so their response is we're attacked, we've got to defend ourselves.
0: Can you just tell us, what happened at at the Temple Mount exactly? Because there was some news coverage of that and then it quickly shifted to these rocket barrages and the counter-strikes.
2: Well, you know, you had... um, Israelis were celebrating Jerusalem Day um, yesterday and Jerusalem Day is the day when historically in 1967, um, Israel took the old city of Jerusalem and reunified the city of Jerusalem under Israeli control. And, uh, you know, on, on on a day like that, it seems that there was uh, a pr- prepared um, configuration that, t- that took place. You know, there, there are images that we've seen, for example, of stockpiles of Molotov cocktails and rocks that were stored in the Al-Aqsa Mosque on the Temple Mount. Um, and they started, you know, targeting... Uh, you know, the attempt to, to to target Israelis that are in other parts of the Temple Mount, compound towards the Western Wall, for example, then you have, you know, Israeli security forces will respond to that. They'll come onto the Temple Mount um, and try and shut down these, these attacks, and then they'll face, you know, serious resistance, and you have some pretty heated clashes that take place, um, you know, on the Temple Mount, which obviously has incredible visual significance Um, and religious significance for for a lot of people around the world what are some of the
0: indicators you're looking at now david to give us a sense as to whether this is going to uh, begin to quiet down perhaps get toward a ceasefire versus the possibility of a broader conflagration more regional actors coming into this and 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 a continuation of the conflict how are you seeing a trend right now
2: I think there are a few parts to it, I mean, um, you know, certainly a big factor is is the international community and Hamas will look at, you know, where, where the international community stands vis-a-vis Israel, obviously led by the United States. Um, the United States has been generally supportive, but also hedging quite a bit. Um, certainly not as unequivocal as we saw with the previous administration and I think that can potentially add some fuel to to the flames Um, there are also you know certain factors that tend to indicate the point of no return so you know the scale of the rocket fire a thousand rockets over 24 hours is is the most significant escalation that we've seen since the last Gaza war in 2014 you also have Israel targeting senior Hamas and Palestinian Islamic jihad leaders. And that also usually leads um, to, to a, a ferocious response um, from those terror groups themselves. So at this stage, it doesn't look like there's, there's, there's any end in sight. And uh, you know it, certainly in terms of of, of of political positioning from you know in Palestinian elections and and you know really asserting themselves on the world stage, it could very well be that Hamas sees good motivation um, to push itself to the fore here, into the center of world attention, and keeping up these 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 attacks serves uh, its purpose. You know, in that regard, is that
0: is that really what Hamas is trying to achieve here? Just one, obviously, express uh, through rockets its <laughs> hatred for the Jewish people, but beyond that. Uh, to try and just become an international cause again? Is that, or or are there more specific demands that the terrorists are actually uh, putting out there?
2: Yeah, I think there there are different pieces to to, to the dynamic here, but but certainly, you know, this is how terrorist states operate. You know, they're mafia states, they're shakedown states. They act in in a certain crazy way uh, because they're seeking concessions um, from, from whether it's world powers or in this case, Israel and other world powers, maybe it's 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 other regional um, actors. Um, certainly, there is also the Palestinian political dynamic. You know, there there was an election that was supposed to take place, and you've got uh, Hamas running Gaza, running against the Palestinian Authority, running the rest back. So you know, positioning themselves in this way, uh, they might see as it's, it's helpful for their electoral chances as and when that that vote is going to take place. So I think there's there, there's a lot of motivation there. Um, in terms of why now is the time that, that they might pick for, for something like this.
0: David, thanks for your work on this over at the Algeminer. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.
2: It's a pleasure, Buck.
0: Long lines at the pump in several states as America begins to feel the pain from the cyber attack that forced the colonial pipeline to shut down. we got more on that when we come back. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't have the time to do it on your own and you don't want to make rookie mistakes? I felt exactly the same way as you until about a year ago. I've always loved the idea of real estate investments, but I didn't want to get involved in something when I had no idea how to get started, right? But that's when I met my friends at Done For You Real Estate. They took all the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an awesome property. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me. And now I get a check every month like clockwork. Mortgage is getting paid down. and I'm seeing free cash flow every month. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For You Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. Visit doneforyoubuck.com to see how this works. Again, every step of the process from picking the city, the house, getting the loan set up, getting a tenant in place, and having a management company that will handle the whole thing for you. Just go to doneforyoubuck.com to see what my friends at Done For You Real Estate can do for you. That's doneforyoubuck.com. Again, doneforyoubuck.com. The governor of North Carolina issued a state of emergency as people line up for blocks just to get gas, as some stations are reportedly already out of fuel. This all comes after a cyber attack forced the Colonial Pipeline to shut down, which supplies about half the East Coast fuel supply. The FBI says a Russian cyber group, dark side is to blame. Dr. Scott Jasper, who is an expert on all things cyber, joins me now to discuss. He's a lecturer in the National Security Affairs Department at the Naval Postgraduate School and author of Russian Cyber Operations. Perfect man to talk to about this. Uh, Dr. Jasper, thanks so much.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to be here today.
0: So I think for a lot of people, it's, it's surprising that this could happen in a way that has such immediate and far reaching effects. First off, the Biden administration has been saying, well, this is a private sector uh, a, a private sector organization or putting you know, a private sector control. So really their cyber's on them. What kind of cyber attack do we think this is? I mean, what kind of safeguards are in place? What can you tell us about how this, how we believe this went down?
1: Right, Buck, well, Uh, As you said, it's a private organization. In the United States, 85% of critical infrastructure is owned by private industry, which makes it more complicated for the government to protect these systems, since the emphasis is on the entity itself to instill the proper cyber hygiene in order to prevent these sort of attacks. The fact that it occurred on critical infrastructure should not necessarily be a surprise because this is the perfect target or a cyber attack using ransomware in that it is a continuity of operations opportunity in that uh, Colonial would be uh, tempted to pay uh, a ransom in order to regain access to their files and to their systems in order to restart their operations. So many times these attackers get quick payouts from vulnerable organizations that depend on services for their business. And lately, we've been seeing that a lot with schools and hospitals through the pandemic uh, with the need to pay to continue operations. Now, I don't know
0: what degree of, of specificity we have yet, uh, Dr. Jasper, about this particular ransomware attack, but could this be something as straightforward as these, uh, as, and we'll get into who's behind this, but this this hacker group may have sent some, some emails with... Uh, social engineering in them to, hey, you know, I'm your IT administrator, click this for a link. Is it something that's that straightforward or does it seem like it would have to be a more sophisticated attack?
1: Well, well, what we know is that the attack uh, was limited to the IT systems. So that means the administration, administrative section of the company. And if that's the case, then we have people behind those computers. Um, I have not seen clear evidence of how the attack occurred But as you stated, it could be as simple as clicking on a link, uh, downloading a file, or something that would trigger uh, with a vulnerability the installation of the code, the malware itself. The key is how fast ransomware promulgates across a network. It can lock the systems down very quickly. And their ability to stop the spread of the attack, especially if there is any way it could get to the operational technologies, is very commendable. And that would have been the real challenge. At least now, if they clean up the IT sector, we should be able to see these pipelines get back on this online. What kind of
0: precautions, uh, what kind of, you mentioned cyber hygiene for a company, as you pointed out, a lot of critical infrastructure is in private hands. So at some level, this is this is up to individual companies with the government, I'm sure, trying to help in different ways. Uh, what can a company really do about this? I mean, if, if it is as simple as a phishing email with some pretty sophisticated software that allows them to infiltrate quickly throughout the system, is it just training your personnel or their programs? I mean, I, I guess it's it's hard for people to fathom uh, that you you have one guy maybe working or gal working in the IT section of you know Colonial, and they click on the wrong thing, and now you've got people without access to gasoline at stations all across the East Coast. That,
1: that feels like that's a pretty rapid onset. Right, so we have the prevention aspect as you're alluding to, Buck, where you train uh, the personnel to recognize a uh, what could it be a malicious email and to not uh, inadvertently activate uh, access to malware You also have prevention such as patching of systems so that vulnerabilities are not exploited. Um, But in many cases, what we find is that sophisticated actors and this group is supposedly a collective of veteran ransomware criminals. So they know the tricks and if they penetrate, then it's a matter of stopping the attack once it hits the network and quickly before it rapidly spreads. Uh, In some cases, ransomware can take down an entire network in less than a minute if it has the right uh, tools, processes in place. So we need uh, sophisticated defenses in order to counter that. Uh, Cloud-centric defenses that leverage data correlation technologies we can use for detection, uh, investigation, and response that act very quickly uh, in order to defeat this type of threat. What
0: what, uh, are the chances that we're going to have a pretty definitive sense of who did this and whether, if it is in fact uh, emanating from Russian soil, there was some uh, government complicity of one kind or another in this.
1: Right, so uh, the Biden administration uh, just released that there's no evidence that Russian government is involved. However, it appears the actor could be in Russia. They have refrained from attacking former Soviet countries. Whether the government is involved, well, we know they have interest, the Russian government, in our critical infrastructure. In 2018, their group Dragonfly, associated with the FSB, uh, penetrated into critical infrastructure by pivoting through vendors into isolated systems and got to the point of flipping switches, uh, which could have taken off power. We do know there's connections of the Russian government with criminal organizations. Uh, For instance, uh, recent sanctions have shown a connection between uh, the evil Corps leader and the FSB, the same group that hacked the infrastructure. And we know that we're concerned that the government could use uh, criminal organizations back in the election. We were concerned that the TrickBot group that distributes ransomware would be used by the Russian government in order to distribute ransomware against election officials and systems. And to the extent our Cyber Command even took down their infrastructure at one point. So although there's no evidence, there's concern of Russian activity in this area and potential links to these sort of
0: actors. What kind of reprisals can the U.S. government or, or any state actor that's a target of these, of these sorts of attacks engage in what's considered a a proportionate response to at least deter this kind of activity in the future
1: well the biden administration even said at this point it's a criminal act by again a criminal group so that would lead us to use the fbi to investigate and if we had the evidence uh we could potentially indict those actors
0: yeah, the we're, never, we're never getting Russians sent over here. <laughs> that's that, So we all know that. So what else can we do?
1: Well, there you go, Buck, that's the problem. If anything, they'll enlist them if they haven't already, uh, as they've done. Uh, so indictments might not work. Now we've done sanctions. If it's a state-based event, we did sanctions even for solar winds, uh, the massive attack upon our IT systems back in the December timeframe. We combine those sanctions with other nefarious Russian activity like interfering in the election. Um, those have some effect, depending upon the the individuals and the activities we sanction. Uh, they can uh, maybe deter the Russian government, uh, but it's a very difficult situation to get Russia to step up and and control this space.
0: Especially yeah. if they see it to their benefit. I can imagine. Dr. Jasper, appreciate you joining us today, sharing your
1: expertise. Good to see you. Buck, thanks for the invitation and pleasure to be on your show. Appreciate it.
0: A triple shooting in New York City's Times Square over the weekend continues to shine a spotlight on New York's surging crime rate. The city councilman from NYC, Joe Borelli, joins us next to discuss New York's response to the violence. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
3: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
3: Obviously, first of all, what happened was unacceptable. And this individual is going to be found and found soon. And he's going to pay the consequences. Um, We got to understand there are some individuals who do the wrong thing, and there's still too many guns available to too many people. And that needs policing solutions and community solutions, but it also needs a change in Washington. We need better laws to stop the flow of guns in this country.
0: Yeah, gun control. That's the answer. Sure. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio responding this weekend, shooting in Times Square that left three people wounded, including a four-year-old girl. Is this a turning point in our understanding of how policing in big cities under this Democrat administration and with Democrat mayors like de Blasio, is this a turning point for their approach? Let's uh, talk to our friend Joe Borelli from the New York City Council about this issue. Joe, good to see you. Thank you for having me, I appreciate it. So tell me, what is it about Mayor Bill de Blasio that makes it seem like he cannot observe Objective reality about his city when it comes to crime when it comes to the violence spike surge that we've seen now for many many months at what point is even de Blasio forced to recognize that dramatic action is
3: needed. Well, it's just crazy. In that, that same video clip about five minutes before he said what you just aired, he said that the shooting in Times Square is not going to deter tourists. I mean, that, that is simply beyond the pale crazy. Um, you know, these kind of crimes, whether they happened under Mayor Giuliani or Mayor Bloomberg or whomever, are going to drive away tourists from visiting Times Square when the chance of you getting hit by a stray bullet uh, is more likely. The difference now, though, between those other times is that we actually tolerate this kind of violence. And I, and I say we tolerate it not because our leaders aren't out there pretending like they don't tolerate, but the policy decisions they make when it comes to governing and criminal justice and bail reform uh, and reforming the way we even police these communities. We are tolerating this. 88 percent of people arrested for gun crimes in 2020 were let out on the streets with no bail, with almost no instant accountability. 55% of those people were arrested for pulling a trigger or out with no bail, back on the streets. So when I say we tolerate it, we do tolerate it. And it's crazy to see Bill de Blasio sort of have to admit that the solution is policing. That whole press conference was to announce that we're gonna flood Times Square with a critical response team of the NYPD. It's great, I'm glad to see it, it's good. It'll get tourism back hopefully at some point. But there's too many gun violent incidents happening on too many lesser known intersections. And we don't actually have enough police officers to do critical responses on every single corner where there's gun violence.
0: It's amazing to see this, uh, Joe, because to a common sense person, defunding police in a major city and also just backing off of supporting law enforcement across the board from the political level, which is what de Blasio has done well, I'd argue all along, but certainly it it has been particularly uh, bad in the last year or so, is gonna result in more crime. There's gonna be less safe streets out there. We've now seen that. We have the data to prove it, and we have stories like this one that are getting the kind of attention, and let me just say, this is in New York. It's also in other cities all across the country. It's in Chicago, it's in St. Louis, it's in Atlanta, it's in Los Angeles, San Francisco. There's been violence spiking in so many cities as the defund the police narrative has spread. And now here we are, and he still leans back into the old talking points about gun control. And, 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 and as you said, he wants to give more money or, or give, you know, more resources, more law enforcement resources to the problem. Maybe there should be a repudiation of the whole defund the police narrative
3: as part of this. Yeah. I mean, first of all, if only these mayors had a crystal ball, I mean, who could have possibly predicted that this would have been the result? It totally came out of left field. You know, of course I'm being uh, sarcastic, but yeah, I mean, de Blasio re- reverts back to old progressive talking points. It's gun control. It's midnight basketball leagues. It's social justice. It's violence interrupters. I don't even know what that is, but violence interrupters are, are I'm told, someone who's going to play a role in this, in this problem. But the interesting thing, and, and you mentioned a turning point earlier. It was a turning point on the campaign trail. Uh, since that incident happened, you had Eric Adams take a very pro-police uh, stance, saying that police are the solution, no matter how much uh, the left likes to denigrate them. Uh, he, he took probably the most pro-police stance of any Democrat, uh, and, and he was a former police officer. Now, it's not all rosy. I don't want to paint the picture that he's this conservative law and owner candidate. He's not by any means. But that triggered all the other candidates to follow suit. You had uh, you had, uh, Andrew. Andrew Yang follow up with sort of a, a realization that we shouldn't defund the police. You had Ray McGuire out there saying we probably shouldn't be defunding the police. So it seems to be that the the, the candidates are seeing some reward public reward in terms of voting in public opinion polls in actually having a reasonable approach to policing. And that includes police reform. I mean, having a reasonable approach to police reform is not terrible, it's not the end of the world. When it's defund the police because the hashtag told us to, that's where you lose most regular work day New Yorkers, even Democrats.
0: Now, nobody likes dirty cops or excessive force from law enforcement, I- including cops, by the way, as you and I both know makes their jobs harder, undermines their relationship with the public and, and the kind of work that 99%, 99.9% of cops are doing day in and day out. But I, I do want to know, uh, Joe, now that we've seen the what the numbers look like and how things are going, are, are folks on the city council where you work with some, you know, I use New York as a little bit of a canary in the coal mine on this issue, or perhaps a, as a as just a, a litmus test for what I would expect in other big Democrat-controlled cities. I mean, you're a Republican on the New York City Council are, are, you know, across the country. Are, are you seeing some of your city council colleagues say, you know what, cops are actually a good idea and uh, violence is bad for my constituents and we need to do something about this?
3: Well, well, there are some that are just irredeemable. They, they believe police are responsible for the violence itself, uh, and we're never going to gain them back. The, the ones we're working on, and I think the ones that, that will eventually come around, I think things have gotten bad enough where they will, are the people that you know sort of uh, tout the, uh, the line when they go out in public, but sort of behind the scenes, they're willing to admit that the police are definitely not causing the problems, and in fact, most of their constituents want the police. I think once it becomes more popular, even amongst Democrats, to make the- The the easy argument that the police aren't committing the majority of violence in these communities and are in fact solving the majority of violence in these communities, then I think you'll see a lot of uh, city council members, like all politicians, follow the wind back in that direction. Joe Borelli of the. Oh wait! Before I let you go, Joe, Governor Cuomo, give us an update because you and I have a friendly wager about this one. How's it? How's he? How's he looking these days? What's the latest? I don't know. This, this Larry Schwartz uh, investigation, he was the governor's right-hand man, uh, now under investigation for trading vaccine access to Cuomo loyalty from county executives. You know, th- this is the kind of thing that, that you wouldn't believe was happening b- but if you knew the Cuomo administration. This is actually the type of thing that gets people promoted in the Cuomo administration, not, not chastised. So now that the AG is investigating this particular crime, I can tell you this definitely happened. I spoke to enough county executives to know they felt some pressure and if that pressure resulted in getting more vaccine or less vaccine depending on your answers i mean there is you know a place in hell for this guy and, and there's a place in hell for the cuomo administration joe Borelli of the new york city council joe always good to
0: see you my friend we'll talk soon Me too cnn's don lemon is actually making some sense yes it's true when it comes to vaccinated americans returning to normal life shocking we'll get into that and more coming up next in quick hits We're living in very uncertain times, and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in today is anything but predictable. The government is passing massive spending bills, the Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars of fiat currency, and many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. Well, what could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home, or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust Call them right now at 833-600-GOLD. One more time, that's 833-600-GOLD. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary
2: cause of avoidable blindness.
0: He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly...
2: Patients who can see.
0: Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Credit where it's due to CNN's Don Lemon. I know. And big surprise, Rashida Talib trashes Israel. Those stories in Quick Kits and others. Let's get to it right away. Look, I, I always say, whether it's here on my radio show... I give credit where it's due. Now, CNN has been a cesspool of anti-Trumpism and Democrat propaganda and COVID hysteria for a long time. That certainly has not changed. In fact, if anything, it's gotten worse. And maybe even some of the Democrat TV audience out there has realized this because based on the most recent ratings, CNN is seeing a big flight of its audience. Perhaps some of the anchors there understand that this is a bad look, and that one way they could conceive of trying to get audience to come back would be to say things that are obviously true, especially about vaccines and reopening. Here's Don Lemon. If you're going to say, I believe in the science and the scientists, then now on this side of the pandemic then you must believe in the science and scientists as well. I agree. saying to you, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask outside. If you want to travel, you can. Wear a mask, follow the protocols. But it is 99.99 or whatever percent chances that you won't get the COVID, you won't get COVID, then you should trust in that science as well and get back to your life. Don Lemon gets it. If vaccines are going to get, to the point where you know, even Fauci would be happy with how many people have gotten them across the country. You need to give folks the full benefit of, full, of complete normalcy after they've been vaccinated. Or else a lot of people are saying, why? Why? They're, they're, not, they're not gonna go through the, you know, the possibility of the side effects or whatever other concerns they have if they're at low risk themselves and they feel like their family members who are at risk have already been vaccinated. Everyone's had a chance to get vaccinated. So you can either incentivize people by saying go back to your normal life or you can do what Biden and the Democrats are doing which is still masking up outside like lunatics after they've been vaccinated and expecting that everyone's just going to continue with this safetyism nonsense for the, our, for the rest of our existence. It's just crazy. People have had enough. They've seen enough of this. All right. You also have... Uh, I actually want to go to the, the Rand Paul versus Fauci, this, uh, Fauci on this. There are very few people who have called out Fauci for his bs for months and months now. I mean Fauci this guy Fauci is a scam. It's awful what he's done to the country. He is personally more than any other public figure responsible for creating this cult of the mask as if this is going to you know this is going to save us. It's going to be the thing that prevents the spread of this disease from getting to, you know, the proportions that we've already seen happen. It's already spread all over the country. We did not flatten the curve with the masks. That was all bull. They were wrong about that. Um, But it's good to see that Rand Paul, Dr. Rand Paul, still tries to uh, hold the not so good Dr. Fauci to account. This was earlier today.
3: You're fooling with mother nature here. You're allowing super viruses to be created with a 15% mortality. It's very dangerous and it was a huge mistake to share this with China. And it's a huge mistake to allow this to continue in the United States. And we should be very careful to investigate where this virus came from. I fully agree that you should investigate where the virus came from. But again, we have not funded
0: gain of function research on this virus. In the Wuhan Institute of
3: Virology, your, no matter parsing how many times words, parsing you say words, it, it, there was didn't research. Happen. There was research done with Dr. Xi and Dr. Barrick. They have collaborated on gain-of-function research, where they enhanced the SARS virus to infect human airway cells, and they did it by merging a new spike protein on it. That is gain-of-function. That was joint research between the Wuhan Institute and Dr. Barrick. You
0: can't deny it. You notice how, how Fauci really doesn't like when anybody questions him. Almost like he's kind of gotten used to all the power. Almost like he he's sort of uh, enjoys being able to dictate to the rest of the country, oh, it's just a guidance. It's not just guidance. You rely on his guidance, and all of a sudden in the, in the government, they say, well, Fauci says, and you must obey. And then we uh, spoke to you earlier in the show about what's going on in Israel right now, Rockets being fired at Israeli civilians, Israeli uh, defense forces firing back at Hamas terrorists. This is not the first time this has happened. Unfortunately, it's not going to be the last either. Um, but we should be standing with our ally Israel in this process and those who believe in in uh, in peace and the rule of law. And yet, Rashida Tlaib, member of the Squad, had this to say about our ally. This is an apartheid system. I mean, I mean. Israel's own prominent human rights organization, B'Tselem, has declared it. Human Rights Watch has declared it, and Palestinians on the ground have been telling us for decades uh, that they've been, their homes have been demolished, that they've been targeted, that they that violence has been met by uh, Israeli-led forces uh, under Netanyahu's racist policies. What we're really telling Palestinians fighting apartheid is the same thing being told
3: to my fellow Black Americans across our country here and that are fighting against police brutality. We need to stop. We need to stop and look at the fact that our own
0: country is enabling it with billions of dollars every year being issued to Israel even though they are promoting racism and dehumanization. Apartheid state, racism, dehumanization. This is how a Democrat member of Congress speaks about our close ally in the Middle East, a uh, democracy with rule of law, yeah. We'll continue to cover this and many other stories here. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.